Hey you guys, tickets have officially gone on sale for my next virtual conference. In May, we did Rise Live Courage, and now we're doing Rise Live Healthy and Happy. We're spending an entire day, nine plus hours of programming with some of the greatest speakers in the world, all talking about how to live your life in such a way that you have the energy to have the life of your dreams. What does it look like to learn to eat intuitively? What does it look like to move your body in celebration? What does it look like to approach health from a place of love and celebration instead of shame? We believe that healthy and happy is about how you feel, not about how you look. So I am joined by incredible people like Jay Shetty and Stacy Flowers, Kelly Levesque, Dave Hollis, Trent Shelton, motivating the crap out of you. Me, talking about inspiration. And if you've ever been to a Rise conference before, you better believe you're also going to hear from Beans and Chris. It's going to be a day of fun and energy and so empowering. If you feel like you have fallen off your plan inside of quarantine, if you feel like you need a kick in the pants to get you motivated again, this is the day for you, and tickets start at $40. You can go to thehollisco.com right there at the top of the page. You'll see a big banner. Click on it. Let's hang out. Let's get fired up together. There's power on a human level of it is good to be around people who aren't like you. Yes. They make you better. Yeah. Right? They make you, they force you to see another perspective, to see another side of things. Uh, and that just creates more well-rounded human beings. Yes. I'm so excited to have another one of my best girlfriends on the show today, you guys. Britt Barron is an incredible speaker, writer, and her focus is on diversity and inclusion. Today we're going to discuss everything from how to be a better public speaker to how race and inclusion can improve not only business, but the entire world. I mean, that sounds like a heck of an intro, but it's super real. So far we've just been telling people like, hey, tell us everything about your career. And I found that that's too, it's just too big of a question Mm -hmm. to ask. So I'll just like, take us back. It goes back in the day. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) How far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start on the day you were born. No, I'd just love to hear a little bit about um, you, college through starting your career and kind of how that led you to where you are now. Great. So college happened. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I, I feel like, I don't know if this is important, but it feels important to say right now. I feel like I've always been a dreamer Mm. in that I made a proposal for my parents when I graduated from high school, and I was like, kids in Europe do a gap year, and there's all this research that says they're better for it. I didn't have any actual research. It was one one Newsweek article that I cut out. Yeah, And I was like, gosh, they're, like, great. Um, And so I took a year off before college started, I and didn't know that. Yeah. See, this is like, I this wouldn't, how would I have known? Yeah. Great. So they gave me a year. I was a preschool teacher's assistant. I did know that. To make yeah. enough money to travel and live my dreams. And so after the year, I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I think that was just something that started, like, I want to do things, like, my own way mm-hmm. on my mm-hmm. time. I think that's always been inside me. But uh, then I went to college 
and I went to grad school immediately after college mm-hmm. and got a master's in counseling and student development because that felt right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I did three years in higher education um, and then three years in like ministry mm-hmm. until, and I think it was just a perfect timing of everything because even in my first job outside of grad school, I loved it so much. But I feel like ever since I took that year, in the back of my mind, I've always thought it would be great if I could just create my own thing. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do that. And so last June, I left my job and I've been doing my own thing. So it's kind of like my, okay, it was like time to sort of spread my wings. I just turned 30 and I was like, just do it, girl. Yeah. Just do it. Quit that job. Read all the inspirational quotes. (laughs) Be friends with Rachel Hollis. And just go for it. Just go. Just do it. How has that felt? Do you ever have too much freedom? (laughs) Like, am I flying or am I falling? (laughs) Feels like a question. Yeah. Um, No, it's been amazing. I feel like it's been so good and hard and has just brought stuff out of me that no job... I think would have ever brought out of Mm. me and so I'm definitely grateful for that but right in the thick of figuring it all out which feels like amazing and like a special time that I will look back and say like whoa that was the year yeah that was it that was when it all happened yeah that's awesome or hopefully I love that I said that's awesome like I don't know the story but I feel like I'm learning (laughs) and it's new um so tell me what's the tell us about what you're working on now yeah, so um, I've always been passionate about uh, diversity, um, particularly with race, uh, and how that impacts and influences the way that we live our lives. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate enough to be tasked with uh, creating a curriculum at my last job for unpacking and understanding race, mm-hmm. and have taken that with me, kind of restructured it and reshaped it for uh, schools, for companies, for any organization that wants to better understand unconscious bias, how that affects their marketing, how that affects their hiring, or uh, the way schools interact with their students and teachers. And so I am doing that freelance and then speaking and figuring out how all that's going to come together. And I feel like you have um, a really um, an interesting perspective of this because you're coming from two different cultures. We mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, just as a side note, because nobody can see you, so they don't know why oh, you right. have an opinion on oh, race. Oh, yes. <laughs> don't you wish you could see me, everybody? <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I grew up, my mom is Mexican, my father is African American, and they are both uh, just very uh, proud and invested in, in where they come from. So I just grew up uh, with that lens, but I grew up in predominantly white communities my whole life. Mm -hmm. So predominantly white schools and sports teams and neighborhoods. So I think I've always just craved sort of a better understanding, particularly with the communities around me. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, there's a lot of other literature out here that we could be reading and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we we could be talking about or understanding better. So Mm -hmm. let's Let's you, change it up. Will you explain, if mm-hmm. someone's never heard the term unconscious bias before, explain to us what that means. Yeah. So unconscious bias is basically things that influence our behavior that lie beneath. So we don't do them consciously. 
So the example I use in my TED Talk, uh, which you heard, is um, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000-hour rule. Mm -hmm. So in the book Outliers, Gladwell highlights something called the 10,000-hour rule, which essentially says if you spend 10,000 hours practicing, intentionally practicing something, you become an expert in that thing. But once you become an expert, 70% of that action now lies in your subconscious. So it becomes sort of natural. So our like premier athletes, they do what they do, right? Michael Jordan used to just shoot free throws. And if you asked him, how do you make 100% of the free throws you shoot or whatever, uh, he'll only be able to articulate 30% of that mm -hmm. because 70% of that has become unconscious. Yeah. He spent so many hours just in there shooting um, that that lies beneath. So when there's a ball in his hand, his unconscious bias reminds him of how to shoot it. So when we talk about race in this country, we have a long history of segregation. We have a long history. Um, it's only been 62 years since Brown versus Board of Education. Mm -hmm. And it's only been 51 since Jim Crow was taken out in most states. And so up until that point, we were literally segregated. So we spent all that time becoming experts and so now what a lot of us have is this unconscious bias that we don't even know why, but we just say, oh, let's just do people that look like us in these posters mm -hmm. or just get that girl or mm -hmm. let's just put the commercial here. Um, and that's, that's the thing that uh, one sociologist puts it this way. When you're born in America, you're put on a moving sidewalk of racism and sexism. Mm -hmm. You just, it feels like walking. So it's not until you, someone forces you to stop and look around that you even realize you've been moving this whole time. Mm. And I think what a lot of people think about race or racism or sing out, they think about it in terms of intentional actions, yes. right? Of like, I'm looking at that person and I'm going to not like them because of the color of their skin. When I think the reality of most of what we deal with in America it's just, it lies beneath the surface, and it's a residue of 350 years of segregation, yeah. of being separate. Yeah. And so trying to come together feels like a task where we have to unearth some of that. And remind me, 350 years of segregation it equals how many 10,000-hour units? 294. Wow. Yeah. So incredible. So we became experts 294 times. So now trying to come out of that feels feels daunting, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I like to do is try to take the stigma off of race. We're not talking so much individual. We're talking systemic. Mm -hmm. We're saying these systems have affected you just as much as they've affected me. Our job now is to figure out what to do. Mm. Yeah. And what do we do? <laughs> oh, <laughs> call me and find out. <laughs> hire, hire me. Yeah. Oh. Everybody calls Brittany Bean, so yeah, I'm yeah. going to slip and say that like 75 mm -hmm. times, probably. Um, I think one of um, one of the greatest gifts in my life is our friendship as a real thing. Uh, but I'll tear, wipe the tears <laughs> away. But also um, because I have fundamentally been changed as a person for our friendship. And I think in one of the ways that is so powerful to me is you are so gracious with allowing me to ask dumb questions. Um, and I, re I remember when we first started hanging out and I had questions for you that felt really dumb. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to ask you, but I don't know what the, and you were like, if you ask humbly, like if you're, it, it's only upsetting when you assume you know the answers. If you ask humbly, like I'm never going to be 
offended by your question, though I have, like, asked you some doozies in the course of our time together, so thanks for still hanging out with me. (laughs) As a, um, what do you think the power in, um, this is, like, so obvious, so I want to punch myself already for asking this question, but it's, it's worth it. Um, if, if someone's listening to this and they're working in an office that is, um, Everybody looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Just speaking to someone who maybe hasn't thought through this lens before, um, mm-hmm. what is the power in this? Whenever we're going through something hard, it always affects us in more than one way. In the season that I've been in in my life, going through a difficult time has affected my sleep. I feel like I'm getting insomnia again that I haven't had in several years. And being able to talk that through with my therapist and kind of unpack why that anxiety is showing up at night or why my thoughts are racing or why I can't seem to shut my head off has been super helpful for me. And if you have considered seeing a therapist or talking to a counselor, it has never been easier to meet with someone virtually. If you are not familiar with BetterHelp, then I want to make sure that you hear about it from me. BetterHelp has counselors who specialize in everything you can imagine. Depression, stress, anxiety, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem. Anything that you share is confidential, and the service is convenient and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of my podcast, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash rise. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash rise. Yeah, I think the beauty is that there's power on multiple levels, right? There's power on a human level of it is good to be around people who aren't like you. Yes. They make you better. Yeah. Right? They make you they force you to see another perspective, to see another side of things. Uh, and that just creates more well rounded human beings. Yes. And then beyond that, it's great on an organizational level. Because, again, you have that diversity in the room. Mm -hmm. Was it Apple? I think it was Apple. Uh, Did a study um, and actually found how much better projects do when the team that they set up to work on the project was diverse, Mm. right? Because this is just fundamental, right? Yeah. Like, it's fundamental. If you have the more voices you have in a room tackling a problem or a project, the better. Mm -hmm. When all those voices sound the same you really only have one voice, yeah. right? So, so getting a diverse group of people for anything, mm-hmm. you always win. Yeah. People don't get this, especially, like, I grew up in a small town, and this was not something I was even aware of until I moved to L.A. Um, you don't realize when everybody is like you, because this is just what your world looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in fact, when people aren't like you, when they're different in some way, it's scary. So I, I cannot encourage everyone listening enough to the idea that when you do life with people who don't look, act, think, vote, love like you do, Mm -hmm. 
not only does it make you grow, but it makes you aware of an entire group of people that you weren't conscious of before. Um, It's so easy to be dismissive of different segments of people because you don't know anyone who is like that. So you can say, you can be dismissive about fill in the blank because you don't know anybody that that affects. It it reminds you of how different you are, but also how similar you are. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll never forget when I was in the fourth or fifth grade, my mom like, literally forced me to do tap dancing. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I know. But I actually couldn't even make it through our final performance because I had fog machines, and I have pretty bad asthma, which has, like, gotten better as I've grown up. But, like, mid-performance, I'm, like, like gasping for I'm air. Dying. Yeah, so um, all around it was a bad idea. But I'll never forget when we got our, like, uniforms – we all had everyone. I was the only person of color on in the like group in the class, and so we had quote unquote nude tights. Mm. Okay, so imagine I come out on stage and my legs are a completely different color than the rest of my body because of course the rest of us is in like yeah. a leotard, so I've yeah. got lots of skin exposed. Yeah, that is clearly a different color, yeah. right? And one of my friends was like, "Huh." I guess when they say nude, they mean me. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, yeah. Yeah. I guess they do, right? And those are little things that, like, one of us, it's not me, maybe it was her, is going to grow up and eventually be over some kind of underwear line somewhere and is going to think about that and maybe change that. Yeah. Right? I remember when when you and I first started hanging out, one of the – dumb questions that you kindly let me um, ask you was uh, to explain white privilege to me. I don't understand what is it, why is it a privilege? And I think for a lot of people who are white, they get defensive about that idea. And the first thing you said to me was, what color is a, is a nude Band-Aid? What color is a Band-Aid, mm-hmm. Rachel? And I was like, oh. and it was that, like, and I know you have, because you've actually come and done um, your workshop here at Chic. Uh, and there's so many other examples of that, but you don't think, you don't see things as they are, you see things as you are. So that's yeah. not something that would occur to me that I get to put on a Band-Aid and it camouflages into my skin tone. Right. Um, and that's part of the moving sidewalk, right? Yeah. Because you're not supposed to see it. Because when we talk about race and we talk about how it's systemic, that affects everyone. No matter mm-hmm. who you are, if you're born in this country, it affects you. And even as you start to unpack some of that, you're still affected, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing with um, sexism. So I'm like a card-carrying feminist. Yeah, like, here, here. I have the card, it has my picture, and all the things. Um, you got the plaque. You're going to the membership meeting, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going this after Thursday. this? Yeah, 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 okay. I'm bringing bagels. Great. Yeah, yeah. So recently, I was talking to a friend, and she was just talking about how she can't cook. Like, she just, like, can't. I don't know, physically, I, you know, I was just like, <laughs> and I had this thought in my head that popped up, was like, why can't she cook? Yeah. And I was like, where did that come from? <laughs> I spent years dismantling yeah. the patriarchy that lived in my brain. But it's just like a testament to when you are fed these messages over and over yeah. and over, even as you have like come out of them and have said like, okay, that's not me, that's saying it's not for me. Sometimes they just like, pop up out of nowhere and all of a sudden I'm looking at my friend like why can't you cook yeah you know like she should be able to cook like as if that's her job right yeah Yeah. and I was like I don't even believe that but deep down it's just 
some it's been it's in me yeah. somewhere you know so that's like I think unconscious bias shows up in that way mm-hmm. you know it's not even things you necessarily believe yeah but you just have become socialized to sort of embrace these ideals yeah dang it uh, all the things the man damn the man <laughs> not really we love him well some of us love yeah. him <laughs> I love them as friends <laughs> And my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview. But now, a quick word from a sponsor. Want to listen to an audiobook that'll make you feel better about your crappy job? Party Girl takes listeners on an adventure among Hollywood's most beautiful and most outrageous people, revealing the ugly side of Hollywood's prettiest parties. The entire Girl series is now available on Audible, and it's read and written by me. (laughs) Discover the world of Audible Originals today at audible.com. You are sincerely one of the greatest speakers I know. You are so what? good on stage. Oh my gosh, you are. You. you really are. You know you are. I mean, you have a TED Talk. Yeah, raise, yeah, your, yeah. raise your hand in this room if you have a TED Talk. And All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. You are also the MC for our first. You will be Shout the out MC to Rise. For, for every Rise event. <laughs> that's just real life. Um, as long as you will work with me, that will keep happening. And that's forever. Um, great. What advice would you give to someone who has to give a speech, who's doing some public speaking and is <laughs> terrified by the idea or wants it to be more natural what would you what do you do to pump yourself up yeah oh god yeah. Get in there. you know i really think that you can never underestimate practice yep as someone who i think or i would say public speaking comes very naturally mm-hmm. to me i think i still practice more than a lot of people think mm. because the beauty about seeming natural on stage comes from when you know your stuff. Yep. So if you want to ad-lib and you want to go off script, you have to be able to come back seamlessly. And that only comes from literally hours of practice. So have what you're going to say. Say it in front of your iPhone and watch it back. Say it in front of your dog. You Um, practice in the car, right? Yes, so I practice in the car. When, When I was prepping for the TED Talk, on the way to work, I do nothing but say this talk out loud. Mm -hmm. On the way home, I can listen to music or do whatever, but you just practice. So when you actually get on stage, something's going to go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to see someone or you're going to think of a joke that's funny (laughs) and you're going to want to say it. You're just going to want to be natural. And when you just have it down... You can do that. You can do that. We always, when we're nervous, we always revert back to our highest level of training. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't prepared, then you're going to revert back to like, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, and actually this is terrible but there was during your um ted thing Mm -hmm. there was a there was a girl who got super nervous and had to leave stage which was one of the most painful things i've ever witnessed in my entire life because she got so nervous and she didn't know what else to say Mm -hmm. she went off stage saw her words and then came back and kept going yeah but it is like when you get nervous you're going to go to that place and if the highest level of your training was referring to your notes Mm -hmm. then that is what you're going to have to do to get yourself back on track so i feel like that's a good tip Will you tell us a little bit about your TED Talk? It is called What Beyonce Taught Me About Race. Because, of course, I had to pay homage to the queen herself. And I was thinking about this season of my life, how I think there's this, like, myth that, like, if you do something, you are 
naturally inclined to do or you love to do, you don't have to work hard. Mm -hmm. Like somehow you'll find the right place or stage in life where you can coast happily. Yes. Right? Like, and so I was like thinking about how like that's not true. Like you can never, like there's no getting around hard work if you want to get to the next level, get to the next level, like live your dream. So I was trying to figure out, like, for me, what the distinction is between when I love working hard and when I hate it. Yeah. Um, because that's those are two things that happen. And I was like, man, because Beyonce pumps me up, too. Yeah. Like, you have to force, like, yourself to just, like, yeah, see someone who's like, okay, she works so hard, and she's, like, killing it, and, like, the world is better because of it. Mm-hmm. And then I had this thought where I was like, man, I think most people – enjoy working hard and like grinding when they feel like they are contributing something truly to the world Mm. I think most people hate like the hustle and the grind and the work when they feel like they're trying to earn something from the world Mm. if that makes sense so I was like thinking about like Beyonce motivates me because I'm like she is hustling so hard and the world is better for it. Mm-hmm. Like, she is working hard to bring something to us. Like, I don't get the sense that she's, like, she's like hustling to, like, earn. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, being at a place, like, finding your thing that you feel like, oh, I'll go hard mm-hmm. so I can contribute this thing that I have. Well, right? it's like, what's your why? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the motivation? If your motivation is I'm trying to, you know, make money off of you or I'm trying mm-hmm. to do whatever – yeah, that's going to feel like a grind. It also feels impossible. But if you're like, I'm just making, like, I'm just a painter, and I like to paint Mm -hmm. things, and I'm going to put them out there, and I hope that you like them, and even if you don't, you know, that's okay, because it's just what I'm doing. There's power in that. Yeah. I think um, so often people who are creative, in in whatever way, I think Mm -hmm. we all are creative, no matter who you are, what you do, I think we each are creative. They, there's a, everybody has a thing they like to create, Mm -hmm. but that when they get, um, a negative opinion or a bad review or someone says something or it's not received the way they want it to be received, they stop doing it. Yeah. Or they do it, but now they're doing it trying to please those people who didn't like the first thing that they made. When the reality is, I think that you create because you have a God-given ability to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start to care about someone else's opinion of the thing that you're making, yeah. that's when you start to hate it. Yeah. Because it's now you're trying to do it to get something. Your why is because you want a response. You want love. You want instead of just like, here's mm-hmm. my thing that I made. Or someone doesn't like it or when it gets hard. Yeah. Right? It's like I used to just paint on Saturday afternoons. Did you really? And now there's... This I'm is like secret just a story. Yeah. Oh, oh, I do that, but I do paint actually. Really? Yeah, I know. Huh. I haven't oh. literally since probably 2007. Kind of thing I'm learning about you today. Um, but then when it's like, I have 50 orders mm. for paintings. Yes. Right? And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah. okay, do you want this? Yeah. Or like, it's such not, a great, you know? we were actually just talking about this today. <laughs> I was talking about this with books of dreaming for so long that someone would want me to write a book for them. Mm-hmm. And then getting that opportunity and now going into these later contracts where now it's work. Now it's it's mm-hmm. not like sometimes is it, it loses a little bit of that mm-hmm. mystique of like yeah. I really wanted to do and now it's here. And 
And I do have to ask myself, okay, what, how can I spin this or how can I make this to be something that makes me really excited to produce? Because it feels like a slog, like you're slogging through trying to get to the next when you're not excited about what you're making. So it's a really interesting space when you start. Um, if you haven't read Big Magic, you absolutely should. One of my read favorite it. books on creativity. Um, but she talks about if you can, for as long as you can, not get paid for the thing you create, mm -hmm. there is such power in that because you get to be protective of it. Yeah. You know, some of us got to pay those bills. So. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to yep. my bills. Yeah. <laughs> If you're listening, yeah. Yeah. Hey. please leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Stop calling me. <laughs> so diversity and inclusion is so important in the work that you do now. What advice would you offer to young women who are coming out of college, who are starting their careers, who I do think that a younger generation is more mindful. I hope that they are more mindful than maybe my generation or my parents' generation. Um, what would you say how can they be helpful on both sides of this what mm -hmm. does it look like um to be a woman of color mm -hmm. and what does it look like to be a white woman yeah. um because i think i like i have you as a friend and i'm able to ask a lot of dumb questions um not everyone has access to that so what advice would you give that's interesting so i think you have to find ways to advocate that make sense for where you are, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes you see something that you don't agree with in your workplace, and you have a few options, right? Say nothing, put your head down, hustle till you get to a higher level where you're making the decisions and now you change it. Mm -hmm. um, address it, bring it up in a way that makes sense for that context, or flip over all the tables and leave, right? Yeah. The options are yours. Uh, most people just coming out of college who get a job can't flip the tables over and leave, yeah. right? And so I think one of the most important things is we need to look out for each other. Yes. Women of color, white women, any women coming out uh, into whatever field you are, it's so important to look out for each other. Thank you. My first boss outside of grad school was a woman named Carrie Heath, shout out to Carrie, <laughs> who I still talk to because she literally like took me under her wing and was like, listen, every single guy I hired this year negotiated for their salary. Mm. Um, and only two of the women did. Like, mm -hmm. took us to conferences about, like, just looked out for us. Because I think sometimes, again, in our society, men ask for things. They go for things. They initiate conversations that we won't naturally do. So if you have some kind of agency, you have some kind of information, look out for each other. Mm -hmm. And I think secondly, for women of color, know your resources. Mm. Like, find out. There are a lot of people, I think, right now that, like, genuinely want to help. Yeah, if you're looking for a mentor, which I think everyone should have always, if you're looking for just resource yourself to no end. Mm. I think I always ask questions. I always say the most disarming question uh, you can ask is help me understand. Yeah. So it's hard sometimes when, let's say, you see something in your workplace that you don't agree with or you see a practice that is exclusive or mm -hmm. you see something. It's very disarming to be like, help me understand how, uh, help me understand why all of the women of color work in this division and it's not the one that oversees, you know, these yeah. qu kind of questions. Yeah. It's, 
It's or really help me understand me. why all of the upper level management are men. Right. Yeah. Help me understand. Yeah. What is I mean, you can like it can get to a tone where yeah. it's like, help me understand how it's 2017 <laughs> and you don't have one female on your leadership team. Um, but try to keep it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think my advice is just you find women who have been where you have been. Ask them questions. And if you are a woman and you see someone coming up, look out for them. Have their back. Yeah. Take them under their your wing. Is there a book that has had... I, I'm laughing already. I, are you a big reader? Yeah. Okay. I'm you, a really big three-fourths reader. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I've got so like many books. Got, and I yeah. get to a place in the book where I'm like, I get it. Yeah. You know, in fact, though, <laughs> you're not the only person that's told us that yeah. in, in podcast interviews. A lot of people do that. I think with nonfiction, too, you're like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. I almost exclusively read nonfiction. Yeah. Um, is there a, a book in particular that has been really powerful in your career? Y'all, working remotely with your team is the new normal. I know it's the new normal over here, and I have no idea when it might change. And this new way of working requires teams to be more collaborative wherever they are. Monday.com offers a flexible platform to manage any team, project, or workflow online. Bring your team together so you can continue to collaborate, plan, and track your work. Monday.com is a project management platform that makes effective teamwork possible near or far. You can keep all your team's work in one place and coordinate across different teams and departments. This way of project managing increases productivity and efficiency and facilitates transparency between everyone on your team. Let Monday.com take care of what slows you down so you can free up time to focus on the work that drives you. To start your free 14-day trial, go to monday.com. My favorite book of all time that I read for the first time when I was 16, all the way through, yes, uh, was The Autobiography of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. as told to Alex Haley. And it really like changed me. I read it when I was 16. I read it again when I was 19. And I've read it few times since like I always go back to it and there's just something about it you know there's this part where he again Malcolm X was this um before he was Malcolm X he used to relax his hair he was very much sort of assimilating he was kind of doing all these things and had this this moment where he was like but why you know who told me my hair wasn't great the way it was Mm -hmm. who where did I get these ideas that that I had to be something else and so I think that book just like lit a fire in me that has translated into my career of like who told me who I was had to be different to get into this space yes and so I think that that sort of like tone of who he is just like I love it I feel like I like cling to it of like no, who told me I have to change this or this, right? I have very curly hair. And I remember just thinking like, you know, my first couple of jobs, yeah, I straightened my hair for the interview. I just remember looking back like, who told me I had to do that? Yeah. Right? Like, I want to go into spaces as me. Mm -hmm. And so that book has just impacted my life. Um, But there's another book that is like so 100% practical. It's called Transitions. (laughs) 
is literally a title of the book. It's about transitions. And my best friend Phil got it for me uh, when I left my first job out of grad school at Pepperdine. And I read it just about every big life transition. And it's just so helpful Mm. on dealing with transition, which I I feel like is always a thing career-wise. So those are my two picks. I like it. Um, so I'll go, we ask, um, everyone the same five questions mm-hmm. in every interview, and now I will ask them to you. What time do you get up in the morning? Depends on the morning. <laughs> <laughs> great. Is I that, like that answer. Okay, that sounds yeah. just fine. Um, what is your coffee order? Uh, chai tea. Yeah. <laughs> you are not a coffee I'm person. not a coffee drinker. At first I worried that we wouldn't be able to be friends I know. because of this, but you do yeah. order a chai. My so fiance is coffee yes, queen of America. Yeah. So Sam and I'm, I got that. I'm okay. We could, yeah. yeah. Um, what is the one item you cannot travel without? Oh gosh. The first thing that comes to mind is jacket. Yeah. Layers. Oh, yeah. I can't. If I'm uncomfortably cold on an airplane yeah i don't care if i forgot like my headphones if i forget everything but i'm warm yeah okay also i feel like pockets aren't essential when you travel yes i need like multiple Mm -hmm. i should just go with like a vest like i'm going on safari just you should because then it's like boarding pass driver's license oh my took my thing and i put it yeah yeah what is your favorite like workout of choice and how often do you do it depends on the (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding um I think deep down in my heart, it's running. Yeah. You ran a half marathon. I, I did. I did it. Everybody, 13.1. Ooh, I really feel like it was 13.2. Yeah. The way the thing was. Basically. Anyways. Basically, um, yeah. Yeah. And I do it, okay, well, in theory, in pro- yesterday I went running for the Good. first time in yeah. a very long time. So great weather. I'll say like once a week. Sure. <laughs> that was this week. Yeah. I love it. The podcast is called Deus. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea is that Deus is a platform. Um, And I ask everybody if there's one topic that you feel like women today are missing. Um, Like if you're on a soapbox and you can only tell people one thing, you want to shake their shoulders and be like, yeah, you got to get this. What is it? Women specifically. Yeah. Shake their shoulders. Okay. Ugh. I feel like I would love to just scream with a microphone at every woman everywhere. Like, you have to see your power. Mm. Like, ah, oh, I just like, we are so freaking powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't think we understand, like, physically, like, we are birthing babies. Mm-hmm. Like, financially, we make most of the household decisions in America. Yeah. So if we want real change, like yes. financial change to happen, like that's us. Like we are creative. We are diplomatic. Like if we just, I just wish more women knew their power mm-hmm. and went for it. That's so good. Can I ask, because this, this makes me think of it, I would love to hear your perspective on this. Because women have the buying power, mm-hmm. explain to me how why that matters in terms of what kind of companies you do business from, where you buy from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much stuff has happened politically mm-hmm. in the last six months, yeah. no matter what side you lean on. Mm-hmm. But if you were paying attention to how certain businesses are behaving, um, if you're aware of that, mm-hmm. that there is power in not buying your groceries from or riding in that yes. particular car because... Uber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're supporting... Um, 
just being smart enough to know who they're supporting and whether or not it aligns with your beliefs, whatever your beliefs are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super powerful. And this is, um, I lead a civil rights tour that goes through the South and we interview people and uh, some of huge like civil rights fact nerd and just getting deep into understanding so much of that movement was economic Mm. like you look and it's like whoa the march on washington and that was certainly this big representation but the bus boycott and boycotting coca-cola and the sanitation worker strike and they were saying we're taking our economic agency and we're moving it and that speaks so loudly in our in our uh country right the way it's set up and so i think as a woman who is has statistically more buying power in their households, absolutely we should be conscious of what we're doing, right? We should be researching things that you buy often. Where do you buy them from? What other opportunities are out there? How many women sit on the board of what stores? Yeah. How do they treat? And I think um, Sammy and I, my fiance, we... You know, we, like, 2017, we're like, okay, we're supporting um, as many black-owned businesses as we can, as Mm -hmm. many small businesses as we can, and as many businesses owned by women. Mm -hmm. And if it means we... Have to drive a little further, have to pay a little more. And we can't Amazon Prime everything, we have to go a little in advance, right? Then uh, we're going to do it, because that is, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. So Beans, um, beyond being my friend and being awesome, teaches an incredible... It can be multi-day. What you did for us here at Chic yeah. was a single day. Mm-hmm. Um, is it racial reconciliation workshop? Is that what you would call yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I just actually finished my one sheet. Yeah, you did. So it's like three different ones. Yep. For people who are listening, is particularly those people in business, mm-hmm. if this is not something you're already talking about, oh, that's upsetting for yeah. your company, but you're going to hear about it. Yeah. And I think that... Um, to be on the forefront of um, companies that are saying there's power, this is important, we need yeah. to be talking about diversity, we need mm-hmm. to be talking about unconscious bias, to bring in a company like yours mm-hmm. with the talented team that you have yeah. Um, is people. yep is an incredible um, way to start a conversation with some, like, in a way that doesn't feel, like, because you are that person for, like, I can't imagine what it feels like to be the person that all your friends are always like, hey, what is this? Mm-hmm. How is this? I don't know. I would imagine that some people who come to teach about anything at all, mm-hmm. that it could be boring, that it could be right. like, oh, my Lord, like nobody's going to want to show up to this. And um, y'all are so personable, fun, even when it's talking about hard things yeah. um, and, and present it in a way that um, I think everyone was, was really, I know everyone was really changed by the experience. So I can't recommend it enough for people listening who want to, do what they need to do. It's, I mean, it's like a million dollars, I think, as you're going, right? Yeah, so. one million, one trillion. <laughs> well, and like you said, it's like you can't not talk about it, right? It's yeah. like, even with hashtag boycott Uber or yeah. boycott, it's like people are taking agency in companies that they, by whether or not they see them yeah. making an investment in like diversity and inclusion and equity. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you always for being a resource for me to answer questions and often be like oh no that's a terrible yep Mm -hmm. should stop doing that immediately (laughs) thank you for telling me shut your mouth follow your dreams yes stop (laughs) in all caps you can do you can do all the things yes you work for them um so yeah thank you so much for sitting down i know that um women listening are going to be um 
inspired and want to be friends with you. And what a bummer they can't be. Only a chosen few Very get chosen. to hang I'm out. I'm done making friends in yeah. this life. It's done. <laughs> no more I've reached friends. my friend cap. <laughs> can't allow any more people. Um, but thanks for hanging out with me. I super appreciate it. Thanks, Rach. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to Britt and I talk about all of these really important topics. If you want to learn more about what she does, definitely check out BrittBaron.com for diversity consulting. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing some love on social media for a newbie show like mine. Those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week. So this week, I announced my next book. It's called Didn't See That Coming. It's all about how you put your life back together after your world falls apart. I actually wrote this inside of quarantine because I wanted something that y'all could read as you transition out of the crisis of a pandemic. And then inside of writing it, my world fell apart. And... This is a story of how you keep on going. This is a story of the tactics and the tools that I have used time and time again when I have gone through grief or loss or trauma. The book comes out on September 29th and you can find it today. You can pre-order wherever books are sold. And yes, I am narrating the audio as always. But if you pre-order, meaning if you buy it any time before September 29th, if you go to didn'tseethatcomingnewbook.com, you can get my one-hour course on how to rebuild. How do you rebuild your life? Free one-hour course plus a workbook that you can print out and utilize to start the process. It's something that I thought I could give you to be helpful as you transition to whatever comes next. Didn't See That Coming is my new book, and I hope that you will check it out.